Hey guys, Jack here. I'm really excited for today's episode. We've got Andrew Brokus of the Thinking Poker Podcast on with us today. Before we get to the interview, a few announcements. The first one, very exciting. Uh, we are going to be streaming the first Just Hands home game this Saturday, October 8th from 6 to 10 p.m. Uh, so this is going to be a game streamed on Poker on Air's uh, channel on Twitch. We'll have a link to that in the show notes, and we'll be tweeting about it all week. And it's going to be six or seven of us, myself included, uh, playing a shorthanded hold'em game that will at first be commentated by Zach, and then I'm going to join him in the booth for the second half. Uh, so it'll be an opportunity to see how we play, how we think in real time. Uh, I'm really excited about it. Another related announcement. You guys have been coming to us uh, with requests that we change the stake for the Greg Raymer event from 2-5 to 1-2. And we thought about it, and we want this event to be open to as many people as possible. So we are following your lead. And the Greg Raymer event, which, as a reminder, uh, Zach, Greg, and I are going to be hosting now a 1-2 no-limit cash game at the Poker on Air Studios, where we are hosting our home game. And we're inviting people to sign up to participate in this game, receive Greg, Zach, and my commentary, uh, and also get some feedback in the form of an improvement plan. A lot more information can be found out about this at our website, but the main news today is that it's now a 1-2 game. All right. Thank you guys so much, and enjoy the episode. So, Andrew, uh, now that you've been doing the podcast for a few years, uh, people sort of know who you are. In fact, last time I was, or last time Zach and I were in Maryland, we talked to one of our friends who played with you, and he, he basically gave away your strategy. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just wondering how that, you know, how, how has the podcast changed your presence at the table? Do you feel like people are playing differently against you? Uh, have you done anything to adjust to that? Um, I don't know. I still never really expect to be recognized. Um it's always kind of a surprise to me if somebody is like, oh, hey, you're Andrew, right? Like, I don't, um, yeah, that just, uh, it continues to be a surprise. I mean, it's a surprise to me that people listen to the show, not because I think it's a bad show, but just like, I don't know, there's a lot of things that I like that I don't listen to just because who has the time? Like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, I I never like expect that people are going to recognize me or know who I am. Um, A lot of the people who I'm playing against know who I am, not because of a podcast, but just because, uh, because I've played with them a lot. Like you know, when you're playing in, in higher stakes games, especially in a smaller community, like uh, I used to live in Pittsburgh and, and that was certainly a very small community of higher stakes players. And uh, even now, uh, Lucky Chances until recently was the place where I played uh, most regularly and the pretty small community of the higher stakes players there. And when I'm playing at Maryland Live, even where I just play a couple times a year, but it's still mostly the same people I see. So, I mean, they, they know who I am, not necessarily because of the podcast, but just that we've, we've played together before. Uh, the, the thing that sort of surprises me the most, and I do try to keep a somewhat lower profile at least on Twitter in terms of like talking about strategy and stuff or posting strategy is during the world series of poker. Um, because there are a lot more people from my perspective, random people who know who I am. Sometimes they introduce themselves. Sometimes they don't. I always appreciate it when they do, but they're definitely giving up something by letting me know who they are, especially if you're like, uh, 
you know, 40 something, 50 something businessman looking kind of guy, like the assumptions I'm going to make about you before I've played with you based just based on sort of your appearance and demeanor and whatnot are going to be very different. If you tell me that you're a thinking poker podcast listener, um, in addition to how I expect you to play against me, just sort of what I'm going to expect you to know about poker in general. So basically you're not giving anything up. We're actually the ones, you know, giving stuff up by letting you know that we listen to you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like, uh, I don't know, smirked a little bit or something when you said, you know, he, he gave away your strategy. Like, I, I would like to think that it's not, um, I don't have a strategy in that sense of like, oh, Andrew always like raises turns when flush cards come in. Or like, that it's not it's not something that straightforward that you can, uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, that's how he plays. Like, I think it is a little bit more a matter of just sort of like knowing that people are capable of certain things. And so you know, there are assumptions that I'm going to make about someone who's, who looks a lot like a recreational player, maybe even a specific sort of recreational player. And I'm going to assume that there's things they're thinking about and things they're not thinking about and place they're capable of and place they're they're pretty unlikely to make you know as we were just doing talking through that that one two hand um and then when they tell me oh i listened to the thinking poker podcast okay now i'm gonna think that they're at least you know have been exposed to uh some some other concepts whether they've mastered them or not and you know likewise i think people may not who don't know a lot about me, um, even if they have the idea that I'm a professional, like some professionals are better than others. Some professionals play deep stacked cash games. Some play mostly tournaments. And um, you know, if you don't know which one of those categories I fall into, then you're not necessarily going to know that I'm capable of some of the things that you know I am in fact capable of. And so if there are spots where people just assume, oh, you know, only really elite players bluff here. And I don't know who this asshole is, but uh, he's not elite. So I'll fold. And then like, it turns out I was bluffing there. You know, that's, that's pretty valuable for me. Um, But I don't know that the people who are doing that are necessarily the people who are finding out who I am because of the podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Kind of shifting gears, Andrew, uh, just based off the little that I know you, it feels like I know you kind of well, just because heard every episode of the podcast so you know the beginning always starts with a little bit of kind of what's going on in your life and i was just wondering if you had any kind of thoughts or wisdom for the listeners in terms of kind of lifestyle design because it it sounds like you know while you are a professional poker player uh and consistently do play uh it sounds like you don't you know grind it out so to speak and whether cash or tournaments and find a nice balance of travel playing cash playing tournaments and i was just wondering if you wanted to talk a little bit about that and kind of like what you've come to through you know your experience as a professional poker player. Well, this this may be finally coming around to to bite me in the ass a little bit as uh, <laughs> you know, just more and more like you kind of see this in the W Coop, um, especially some of the higher buy-in events in the W Coop. Like there are so many people who. Uh, I've never seen their screen names before. You know, I don't play online that much. I have no idea who these people are. Even if I found their real names, I would have no idea who they are. And they're really good. Like, and they're probably 23. You know, like, they've sort of gotten really good. Um, it just over the course of a couple of years, and that's been through a probably really single-minded devotion to playing poker, studying poker, just like pouring all of their time and and energy into it. Uh, and I'm certainly envious that you know they've gotten that good at. at that young of an age and you know how good they're going to be in a couple of years at the same time what i've always said is um if i wanted a job i would get one you know like it's not uh i've always kind of looked at poker as more um a way to make money without having to have a job so i've 
kind of uh, I try to work smart, like in terms of my studying, I try to do high value stuff and um, not necessarily like I'm sure I would be a slightly better player if I you know reviewed every hand that I played during the W Coop, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to look at like a couple of specific spots that I really didn't know what to do um, or I feel like I, I need to have a better idea of like how to approach a spot like that. I'm not going to you know, review every single tournament with uh, and I have access to people like especially because of the podcast like there's a few people I've met who are you know really really good players who I could probably you know, I wouldn't be able to do it every week, but like I could say, Hey, well, why don't we go over a hand history sometime? And, and we could probably do that. Um, and, and I, I probably ought to be taking advantage of a few of those opportunities, but, um, I, I try to just focus on, on the really high value stuff and same with playing. Um, I try not to feel compelled to play, you know, it, it's a little harder now than when I had access to online poker all the time, because it's sort of like, well, you know, live poker, there's only going to be a, a 10, 25 game going, at certain times and so you know you can't just play whatever hours you would like to play but i i try to build i, mean, I feel like the poker schedule is flexible enough that i can sort of build my life build poker around my life rather than the other way around and say like well you know there's a how could i possibly skip the sunday warm-up like i have to be playing poker every single sunday um and to sort of look at it as like you know everyone no, nobody works all the time or most people don't work all the time and the people who do don't seem very happy so <laughs> yeah and i mean we were we were kind of talking about this a little bit with um maybe maybe this is before we started recording but we were talking about uh you know people who play live poker tournaments or play poker tournaments exclusively mm-hmm. and uh i think you really have to have a sense of what you're what you're signing up for in terms of variance and i think a lot of people don't have that sense and i I mean uh, another good lesson for this is uh carlos welsh who we've had on our podcast a number of times who i mean he talks about happiness uv first and foremost and so he's kind of like i and and he's really has designed his life to be very very low cost so that he can say i really don't need to make very much money from poker i enjoy poker and i play poker because i enjoy it and i do need to make some money and poker is a good way to do that but uh, i never play poker when i don't feel like it and i don't feel compelled to play stuff that i don't feel like playing And, and that's been an inspiration to me where I used to feel like when I traveled to play online poker that I needed to be playing a lot of tables at once just because I was like, well, I can play online. I really have to make the most of this opportunity and put in long hours and play like 12, 14 tables at once. And I mean, even when I was playing online regularly, I was never that great at multi-tabling. Like 12 is really getting up there in terms of how many tables I can play well on at once. And that was when games were softer and I was more in the habit of, of doing it. And I don't think I was even playing that well. And I just felt this pressure to like play all these tables and I didn't enjoy it that much. And um, and really, it, it was Carlos who sort of inspired me to say, you know what, I don't want to play 12 tables at once. It's not that fun. I don't know that it's even working out that well for me. So I don't know that I ever had more than seven games going during the W Coop, and that was only on like a Sunday. I was just kind of picking the highest value tournaments and saying, just because there's a big 109 starting doesn't mean I have to fire it. And I think a lot of MTT players really have difficulty passing up any good value tournament. You know, they're just sort of like, oh, I have to play this, I have to play that one, and I'll never late register anything. And uh, I mean, you can you have the flexibility to design a schedule you want, and I think you should just pick some hours that you're going to play and find tournaments that are going during those hours rather than saying, you know, I, I just I have to play every good value tournament there is on the schedule. Yeah, yeah I mean, 
I think you're kind of pointing out how that flexibility can be a bit of a double-edged sword in the sense that, you know, that flexibility is, is great, but there's, it's also this, it's like the constant pressure of uh, you could be making money right now. Right. You, you can and, always monetize any time that you have. And if you start thinking of it in those terms, then like, you know, going to a movie is quite expensive because you're not right. paying for the movie ticket. You're paying for like your lost wages while you're there. And I can relate to that in another way. It, Zach and I are both also musicians. Uh, and, and it's a similar thing with practice, practicing uh, music because you're never done. Um, there, you can set goals, and I think goal setting is probably uh, a really important part of success both in music and in poker, uh, although you have to be careful with, especially in poker, I think, what, what your goals are uh, and you know, understanding the role of variance. Yeah, the fact that uh, you could always be using your time towards this sort of uh, ultimate goal, you know, you, you'll never make as much money as you can. You'll never be as good of a musician as you can. Uh, it's it's a hard thing to come to terms with, but something I'm working on. Well, you guys know I'm a big, uh, or if you listen to the podcast, a big David Foster Wallace fan. Have have either of you read Infinite Jest? No, I've. You're hearing you guys talk about it has inspired me too. But of all, <laughs> I, speaking of the sort of endless practice in poker stuff, uh, I have I have a hard time. Picking up long books these days. Yeah, it, it's a big undertaking. I usually recommend that people start with with shorter and and, and with nonfiction stuff that he's written. But um, the, the reason I bring it up is that a, a big part of the book takes place at a, a tennis academy. So it's a place for like really elite, uh, you know, teenage tennis players mm-hmm. or, or your kids who are tennis players. And so you know, there are some parts of the book that are kind of like meditations on. Um, the the just sort of like what it means to commit yourself so single-mindedly to something because i mean these are like you know they're like people who are potentially going to be uh going to the olympics or playing on the professional tour or that sort of thing and so they're you know they really are like their entire lives are, are dedicated to tennis and then it's kind of like what sort of life does that produce is that ultimately making you happy is it something that they even chose or you know are you capable of making a choice like that when you're five years old or whenever they started uh in on it so i mean i I think there's he has some interesting stuff to say about that and and people who know me know that i'm a a big fan of him and that's that's one theme that comes up in that book Hmm. well i'm even more compelled to read it (laughs) yeah i I read about the first with something easier really uh, probably, I don't remember exactly what prompted me. I'm guessing it was one of the many mentions on your podcast. But I, I read the cruise ship article, uh, yeah, which I thing I'll never do again. Yeah, I really enjoyed that because, as Jack knows, I was highly considering looking to work on a cruise as a musician, bringing a band on for a while, and then kind of talk with some musicians who did it, did some more research, and the nail in the coffin was definitely that article. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah. So that and that was good, and then yeah, Infinite Just was great. But then you know, life life got in the way, and it's there's something overwhelming about such just like a thick book that I know you know it's it's not you know one or two minutes per page. Right. <laughs> uh, Skip the audio book. I mean, it's thick it's in the, the sense that it, it's long, but it's also uh, really dense. I mean, it's not it's not an easy read. And, uh, the audio book I think would be a disaster. I know it exists. But... <laughs> Um, I, I can't. That'd be, that'd be that'd be so many hours. 
Yeah. Well, and it's just, I mean, because the the footnotes are such an important part of the book. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how they handle like going back and forth between those, and like you really need to be able to reread passages, and you can't just like do it while you're driving the car. I mean, that's, I don't know. It, I can't imagine anyone has ever listened to the audiobook as their only read through. I mean, maybe if you've already read the book and you're just sort of listening again, but like for your for a first time going through it doing an audiobook, I, I can't imagine that's ever worked for anyone. Yeah, no, I, right now, the last few books I've read have been some of the densest books I've read in a while. Oh, we should have talked about this. Uh, Foucault and Latour. So, to people I'm sure you're but quite familiar with. Uh, Discipline and Punish, and I'm finishing We Have Never Been Modern right now. Uh, I've never read that, actually. But yeah, Discipline and Punish is a good one. Yeah, and I'm just, you know, finding because I, I primarily read a lot of, like, I don't know, like how-to nonfiction, whether it's like articles or books, like basically things that I can read at a fairly quick pace. So then when you read something like Foucault or Infinite Jest or Bruno Latour, just something more heavy, it, there's almost, there's like a, a lot of ego at play, at least I find personally, where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm a fast reader. I'm a smart guy. I should, be, <laughs> I should be reading and I'm digesting this more. And then it's like, oh, wait, no, the whole point of me reading this is so I think and not just like, you know, read each sentence and itemize each thing, you know? <laughs> but what what prompted you to read Discipline and Punish? Uh, so I'm actually in my my last last semester of uh, college and conservatory, so I'm doing no, a. I, doing I, a I figured it had to be school. No no one reads that book. <laughs> Just well, to pick uh, for, for what it's for what it's worth, it's a private reading, so I got to, I got to pick the books. Um, yeah, I, I had to take two more politics classes this semester, so. Uh, <laughs> I was able to make one of them. Just I meet with a professor once a week, and we talk about books that I wanted to read, and then I write a paper at the end. So it's it's been a good, pretty fun so far. Did you like it? This fun and punish. I really I really liked it. I still feel like I don't fully understand it, um, but it definitely made me think and made my brain hurt more than almost any other book has in a while. I kind of didn't like fully it. understand it. Yeah. <laughs> What were you going to say, Andrew? Uh, no, I, I was saying it, it sounds like someone's at the dentist's office right now. I feel like I'm hearing like the, the suction thing. Yeah, that that's, yeah. Come to that, the that, that would be the beautiful uh, background music of the Cleveland airport. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Muting. Uh, well, I know, Andrew, you said about 18 minutes ago that you had to go in 15 minutes, so we don't want to take any more of your valuable time that you're going to monetize i'm sure into one of your many <laughs> many avenues so uh yeah we we seriously really appreciate you coming on the podcast i know for me and i'm sure for jack too this is just like a big big moment for us we've had our podcast for less than a year we both religiously listen to yours so to have uh nate and then you on the podcast it's just you know it's a it's a, it's a really big deal for us and we really appreciate it awesome well, I'm, I'm uh I'm, I'm proud of you for sticking with it i know it's not the easiest thing but i know you guys have been doing it for a little while now and um have you had carlos on the show yet yeah he's our second repeat guest uh, okay great we, we i love, had i had a feeling you had we love we love having carlos i think he was our yeah, episode he's the best podcast guest there is yeah <laughs> a because he's available he'll actually do it and b he's so entertaining i mean maybe there's some better guests out there but uh you know you can have our time getting like ricky gervais to come on your show but uh, yeah <laughs> He just he makes us feel funny. He because <laughs> he, he laughs at everything you say, uh, and uh, I know I know I don't deserve it, but I'll take it. Uh, how how close are you to a year? Oh, uh, uh, this is 
episode 44, and we haven't missed a week, so... That's it too. Eight eight weeks. Yeah. Wow, it's wow. only eight more. Yeah, I guess we started like the end of November, or early December. Wow, time flies. Yeah, that's a big deal. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we'll keep up the good work, guys. Take care. Okay, thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. Night. All right.